Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. From KMOX Sports. Okay, boys, here we go. Welcome to the Graymar Sports Open Line. Those good swings, and he hits a drive. He hits a slammer. Graymar, your distributor for electrical and data comm needs. Here we go. Now, Matt Pauley on America's Sports Voice. KMOX. All right, man, let's get going here. Here we go, here we go, here we go. No Cardinals baseball tonight, so we've got you for a full two-hour edition of a Gray Bar Sports Open Line right here on KMOX. Welcome in, everybody. My name is Matt Pauley. If you want to join us, you can get connected with the program so many different ways. And when I say so many, I mean three. You can call, you can text, you can tweet. If you call or text, you do that uh, with the phone number, 314-436-7900, 314-436-7900, or you can tweet at me if you'd like, at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. Uh, we've got a lot coming up on the show tonight, a lot of guests, a lot of guests. Uh, Lee Lowenfish is going to join us in about uh, 10 minutes. Lowenfish is a, a baseball writer. He has written a number of uh, baseball books. His most recent book is uh, a book called Baseball's Endangered Species. And uh, it's talking about scouts because the game of baseball is changing where teams are not utilizing scouts as much. Instead, they are using more uh, video and data and things like that when they're evaluating players. Scouts certainly still have a role in the game. They're not completely going away. But scouting staff, scouting departments across baseball have been uh, trending in the direction of being reduced in recent years. And uh, scouts, they're an interesting breed. They're, many of them are a different kind of people, and I don't say that in a negative way. I love talking to scouts, and I love the story of scouts. So uh, Lee Lowenfish is going to ch- uh, share with us some of his stories coming up in uh, just a little while. Channel 4's Brian Kennedy will be uh, with us at about 6.35 this hour. And then uh, next hour, we will talk golf with uh, Dan Reardon, and uh, we'll talk soccer with Max Bredos. Max is going to be on the call on Apple TV Plus and MLS Season Pass of the City SC Seattle. Battle matchup coming up this weekend. We'll see if uh, City can bounce back after their first loss of the year. We'll find out uh, if uh, Max Bredos thinks that's going to happen and get his excitement level for uh, seeing the surprise team in the MLS uh, so far this year in uh, in uh, in City SC. So that's what's coming up on the program today. Again, Cardinals off uh, a um, a mixed start to uh, the season, I guess you could say. They uh, were very good against Toronto, taking two of three, but then they struggle against the Braves. Uh, specifically, they struggle early on in games. That's a really good Atlanta team, I guess. And that was a good Toronto team as well. It's just I'm, I struggle 
I'll be perfectly honest and perfectly blunt with you. I struggle early on in the season because it's my job to try to tell you what I think is going on. And nothing means anything yet. Nothing matters. Matters too strong of a word. I'll go back to what I said before. Nothing means anything yet. And all we have to work with at this point is six games worth of baseball. So people are rightfully going to be concerned about the starting pitching. People are rightfully going to be talking a lot about the Tyler O'Neill situation as we spent so much time uh, discussing yesterday. All that stuff is going to still be discussed, but right now when you're six games into the year, there's not a whole lot of substance to any of it. I do find it kind of amusing. Maybe amusing is the wrong word, but I find it uh, notable that probably the number one narrative of the Cardinals offseason was that they didn't do enough in terms of getting starting pitching, and it is starting pitching that has mostly struggled here in the first six games of the season. So for the folks out there who were really all in on that the Cardinals didn't do what they should have done in terms of going and getting a starting pitcher, they're a little bit emboldened right now trying to being able to say, hey, look at the first six games of the season. I told you so. I told you so. I told you that the starting pitching wasn't good enough. And the starting pitching, again, it's going to be fine for a 162-game season. I saw something on social media the other day where it was like, see, uh, this, this is what happens when you didn't bring back a Jose Quintana. And I like Jose Quintana a lot. Like This is not me being dismissive of Jose Quintana. First off, he's out right now. He's injured with an injury that was just kind of sitting there. So if he would have been back with the Cardinals, he would have suffered the same injury. So he wouldn't be pitching for the Cardinals anyways right now. But the problem with bringing back a Jose Quintana is you've already got that guy. You've already got a bunch of guys who, in the grand scheme of things, are kind of three or four starters. Like he's a three starter. He's a four. And there's nothing wrong with that. I am not being dismissive of it, but that's not what the Cardinals need. If the Cardinals are going to add starting pitching, they need super high end ace level starting pitching. And that's not a Jose Quintana. And there's tons of time to get there because they should win this division easily. They should. And I don't care what's happened in the first week of the season and where they're at. Uh, They are much better than the Brewers. They are much better than the Cubs. They are much better than the Pirates. They are much better than the Reds. They've got time to go find somebody to add to the starting rotation if they need to. 314-436-7900. That's how you call. That's how you text. We'll have some time for some phone calls and some text messages uh, later on in the program. But up next, we are going to be joined by uh, Lee Lowenfish. Lee uh, recently wrote Baseball's Endangered Species. Inside the Craft of Scouting by Those Who Lived It. We'll talk with Lee in just a moment or so as we continue on. It is a Gray Bar Sports Open Line right here on KMOX. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? 
Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. I'm Cardinals outfielder Lars Newbart, and you're listening to the voice of Cardinals KMOS. Cardinals off night tonight, back at it tomorrow. They'll be in Milwaukee to match up against the Brewers. Good pitching matchup tomorrow night. Jack Flaherty is going to take on Brandon Woodruff. 7-10 first pitch. That means our coverage tomorrow evening will begin at 6-15. So 23 hours and 55 minutes from right now. We will be on the way, underway with Cardinals baseball. All right, uh, very happy to uh, welcome this guy onto the program. He is an author, has wrote a number of uh, books, uh, baseball-related. His uh, most recent book, Baseball's Endangered Species Inside the Craft of Scouting by Those Who lifted, uh, Lived It. His name is Lee Lowenfish. Lee, thanks so much for taking some time. How are you? Well, it's great to be on with you in uh, St. Louis because my prior book was about Branch Rickey, a biography, and 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 so the new book uh, starts with uh, Trolley Barrett, Branch's first uh, uh, and most beloved scout. So, uh, hello, St. Louis. It's nice to be with you. I love the idea of this book. I love baseball scouts. Some of my best baseball conversations have been just talking to scouts at ballparks because the the DNA of a scout, they know everybody, they've seen everything. You can name any baseball player and they're going to they're going to talk about his third uncle who threw, you know, threw him his first fastball or something. I mean, it's just it's a it's a it's an interesting breed of person. What what led you to to writing this book? Well, I grew up in New York City uh, in the 1940s and 50s, and there were three teams. And uh, I was a New York Giant fan because my father was a New York Giant fan from the days of John McGraw and Mel Ott. And uh, I remember where I was when I was nine years old when Bobby Thompson hit the home run uh, uh, that that, that propelled them into the World Series. and uh, so I, I, my father was a dermatologist, and among his patients were National League umpires, Bill Stewart, who I, I never met, but who was the patriarch of a family of not just in baseball, but a hockey uh, people, and Babe Pinelli, who I did meet, uh, and uh, who was uh, from San Francisco. His father died in the earthquake in 1906. Uh, Babe survived, and he was one of the first Italians in the major leagues for the Reds in the 20s, then became an excellent umpire, and his last game behind home plate was uh, 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 Don Larson's perfect game. So baseball was just always in my blood, and when I became an academic, and after my Columbia years and uh, uh, master's and uh, doctorate at uh, Wisconsin, I, I was always going to games. And then when I decided to write about baseball in the late 70s, early 80s, I started to go to college, high school games, and I met Billy Blitzer, who uh, was a, became a lifelong Cub Scout. And he grew up in Brooklyn, and I recognized the name Blitzer because his grandmother had been a patient of my father's. And when he said, you're Dr. Lowenfish's son, well, we've been friends ever, ever, ever since. 
and he introduced me to people like Herb Stein, who signed Rod Carew before the draft, and Frank Viola and Gene Larkin after the draft. And Larkin has a special place in my heart because he was a Columbia guy, and he got the World Series winning hit against uh, uh, against the uh, Cardinals, I guess. I'm sorry to say that to you folks tonight, uh, in uh, 1987. Uh, so, uh, you know, it's been uh, it's been a lifelong dream to bring a lot of these older scouts back to life, and that's what I've done in baseball's endangered species. One of the interesting things about scouts that I'm not sure if everybody realizes, when, when guys get drafted, you talk about the scout signing a player. I think you just use that term. Scouts so often get really close with players, get really close with players' families. They're very involved after a kid uh, gets drafted. And it just it, it kind of uh, it kind of merges these two things of being a talent evaluator, but also at the same time being somebody that the, the personality and the human side of it is really important too. Absolutely. I mean, Branch Rickey used to talk about the five tools, the physical tools of hitting, running, throwing, fielding, and hitting with power, the last one, the hardest, really, to to mature. But the sixth one, and he never expressed it in this way, but it, it's true, was makeup. I mean, how do you handle uh, playing every day, uh, traveling, being away from home? I mean, no one more than rookie than Branch Rickey was concerned about the homesickness of players he signed. And as you go through the you know, the uh, the history of baseball and the history of scouting, there was such uh, caring, like Paul Critchell, who signed Lou Gehrig off uh, my alma mater's campus, Columbia. When when Garrick, when Garrick was slumping early in his career, he went up to see him, and and so did uh, uh, Tom Greenway, who was on the cover of my book uh, uh, with Mickey Mantle. I, I, I I'm pretty sure that. When Mickey Mantle struggled and after he'd been sent back to the minors, uh, he called Greenway before he called his father. Hmm. So there's a paternal aspect to this that's so important, that's so heartwarming. And with all the analytics that's being talked about and somebody's going to get a nine-figure contract, and uh, let's not forget these are human beings. They're not robots, and there's a heartbeat in every player. And the scouts were the first to see what that heartbeat might amount to. I mentioned earlier just the fact that you talk to scouts and their stories are as good of – they're the best storytellers in all of baseball, it seems like. How much did you enjoy – you said bringing these guys kind of back back, you know, back into the forefront. How much did you enjoy just being able to dig into some of the things that, uh, that some of these individuals had seen throughout their careers? Oh, absolutely. And, and for your St. Louis listeners, I mean, the George Kissel story – uh, I know uh, you probably know that Branch Rickey was forced out of St. Louis by Sam Braden, and then later, 10 years later, was forced out of Brooklyn by Walter O'Malley. But he always looked for scouts and developers who had the human touch. And I tell the story in the book about George Kissel, who uh, uh, was a lifelong Cardinal player developer. Uh, had a, had, and when Tony Larusso was managing your team, Kissel had a open uh, invitation to sit on the bench whenever uh, uh, he wanted to. And Sparky Anderson, who, ne- who never actually played for a Kissel team in a Cardinal organization, uh, Anderson said that George Kissel 
could could teach a snake how to box. Hmm. And, you know, these were because it's a game of technique and failure. But if you rely on your technique and have a will to win, ultimately you are you're going to you're going to be okay. We're living in a different era of baseball, and in many ways that's good, and in many ways it's not good. And, and you certainly make reference to it in your book, and a lot of this goes back to uh, Moneyball and just the way baseball has changed, and obviously data and analytics, we're learning more about the game. But at the same time, some of these characters are being pushed out of the game because organizations do feel like they're able to use video uh, in, in the same way that they were previously uh, putting scouts out on the road. Well, they may feel that way, but it, it's not going to—it's not going to assure winning teams. And and uh, I, I live in New York, but I, I lived in Baltimore, and I, I'm still an ardent Oriole fan. And they did it the right way. Uh, they developed players. I mean, they're the former St. Louis Browns. And and I tell stories in the book about Bill Enos, who wound up a great Red Sox scout, but he cut his eye teeth with the Browns, the Orioles, and and Finley's uh, teams in Kansas City and Oakland. You know, they're always looking for good players and good people. And and if you think you can develop a major leaguer through new algorithms and new uh, uh, and throwing money at at the free agents who are down. Uh, on the downside, uh, millions and millions of dollars. I mean, it's going to be a hard. It's going to be a hard reawakening, and uh, and that's one of the reasons I wrote this book to honor the scouts who who, who knew who knew them early on, and and got their greatest drill quietly, you know, to see them make the uh, the big leagues. You've mentioned Branch Rickey's name a couple times here, but just how important is? The history of the Cardinals creating a farm system, what they did back in the 30s to eventually uh, really creating the industry that was all connected to player development. Well, he should be, you know, the highest figure on Mount Ru- Mount Rushmore, you know, uh, without a doubt. Uh, because uh, as Bert Schotten, you know, I found out after I did my previous biography of, of Branch Rickey that Bert Schotten went to work for him in the brief uh, uh, Continental League, you know, Brent, uh, which should be discussed because, you know, Branch Rickey died sad that he could not pull off that third league which would have been eight teams and might have been uh, by now in parity with the other two major leagues. But Bert Schotten was someone he had with the St. Louis Browns, and then, then he brought him to manage the Dodgers when he was uh, uh, when Leo DeRocha was suspended. And when he was in retirement, you know, Rick, uh, and he's tried to start this third league in cities, which, by the way, all ultimately became major league cities, you know, like Atlanta and Dallas, Houston, Toronto, and, and Minneapolis, St. Paul. He called on, on Bert Schotten to... Uh, 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 to manage one of those teams, so I mean, you can't discuss baseball without without discussing Ricky. He's not just what he did for Jackie Robinson and for the country at large, and that's why my prior book was 600 pages. This one's a little shorter, but the scouts certainly do deserve their their moment in the sun too. The name of the book, Baseball's Endangered Species Inside the Craft of Scouting by Those Who Lived It. It's out this month. Did it just come out a few days ago? Is that right? It was in April 1st? Yeah, absolutely. It came out on April 1st. And, and you know, the more you study history, it, it, things do repeat. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, because I, I, I read a lot of the blogs, and I know you have an issue now with, with McNeil, uh, Tyler McNeil getting 
uh, scalded in public by manager Marmel. I mean, now it gets, I think everyone who has a computer knows about it. If they can talk it out together, I think it's a good thing. I mean, in, in the amazing Ricky story, when he managed the team before Braden decided he should best be a general manager. Uh, he, uh, Branch Rickey, almost had a fist fight with uh, Rogers Hornsby after a game because Hornsby was given a take sign in, uh, from the third base coach uh, when he wanted to hit the ball, and and, uh, and uh, Rickey thought it was insubordination, and, and he was much older and not as big a specimen as Hornsby. And once again, it was Bert Schotten who who stopped the fight. And at the time, the PR guy for the for the Cardinals said, uh, well, I know you fans want these morsels, but I'm not going to tell you anymore. And it, they didn't, because back then it was the reserve system and, and the players, you know, pretty much kept quiet. Now it's open season. And, and it's, it, it, for all the timers, it, 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 it's, it's difficult. But I say, you know, the more you get argument toward truth, the better, you know. So, uh, and, and that's why I still follow baseball, because it's such, it's the best game there is. I mean, I watch the other sports, but in one baseball game, you see more strategy, more complications and nuances than you ever see in football and baseball and basketball. And and I don't mind the changes, but I, but let's, you know, like the, I never liked the shift and I, it, the pitch clock was brought on because uh, the players, the pitchers started to dawdle, and the uh, uh, and so did the hitters. So uh, ultimately, I think that will work out, and it'll be a faster game. But but it's still the race of the man against the ball, as Branch Rickey expressed it, and uh, uh, and I and I hope we never forget that. So it's a fantastic book, Lee. I think uh, baseball fans will really enjoy reading it again called Baseball's Endangered Species. Thank you so much for taking some time with us today. We really appreciate it. Well, it's a thrill to be on with you because when I was in grad school, I would pick up from Madison, Wisconsin, uh, Harry Carey and Jack Buck and even Jerry Gross. And so it's, it's nice to be on with you a few decades later. Yeah, absolutely. Well, hopefully we can get you on again in the future. Thank you. You bet. There's uh, Lee Lowenfish joining us here on the program. I love scouts. Scouts and their stories and everything they've seen in baseball. It's incredible. So what a great idea to put this kind of a book together. All right, we'll take a break. When we come back, Brian Kennedy from Channel 4 will join us as uh, we'll get his thoughts on uh, the Tyler O'Neill situation and everything else going on with the Cardinals. That's next. It's a great bar sports open line on KMOX. It's the Grey Bar Sports Open Line. Goes bit swings and he hits a drive. He hits a slammer. On America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Sports Open Line does continue. A Grey Bar Sports Open Line right here on KMOX as we continue on on a Cardinals off night back at tomorrow when they take on the Milwaukee Brewers. We're very happy to welcome on the program right now. You see him on Channel 4, KMOV. You follow him on Twitter at TV. He is Brian Kennedy. Hey, Brian, thanks for taking some time. How are you? Doing well, man. Can't can't beat this weather right now. It's perfect. I'm outside, out and about. My son's practice for flag football. Beautiful. Can't beat it. Do you ever coach the flag football? <laughs> I do not. I coach him at home. Then when I get here, I let the coaches take over. I'm, I'm, I'm that. You know, I was growing up, I was like, I'll never be the dad that's too much. So. I sit back, I take notes, and then I ask when he needs help on, and we get home, I help him. That's, that's it. 
Have you have you pulled that off? Like I, my daughter's four, so she hasn't really gone into competitive sports yet. Um, if I'm at a game and I see the crazy parent, like I can be very mm-hmm. judgmental, and I know I don't oh. want to be that person. But at the same time, I recognize the fact that I am going to have to be uh, very self-aware to make sure that I'm not that person when she gets to that age. Right. You never want to be that that parent. But, man, sometimes when you get into the game, you think, man, it's just seven-year-olds playing soccer. But then you get in a close game, and you turn, you're like, wait, wait, no, you got to pull it back. to seven-year-olds. They can barely walk. You know, they're, they're just learning the game. Uh, but, yeah, man, it's, you can't beat it. You can't beat it. But you just can't be that guy. Can't be that guy. No, you can't. It's it's always – it's never a good look. Like, no matter how right you are, no. it is never a good exactly. look to be that parent. No, I remember after one basketball game, one parent was talking to the rest. I'm like, they're six, bro. They are six. <laughs> We're not like, come on, man. And we're not, we're not going to do this. You know what? Like of all my memory, and I wasn't a very good like athlete growing up, but of all my memories growing up, I, it would never have made an impact on me if like my mom or dad got upset about something that happened. But what always did make an impact was them being there for me, good or bad after. So there's, that would be my only tip to parents out there. Absolutely. That's the key. I know my mom, my mom was not a football fan. Uh, she always said she was a Brian and John fan. My brother was John. He was a few years older than me. That's all she, that's all she cared about. She supported us all the way, and that's all that mattered. And, that, and I remember to this day, and that's why I'm the same way. All right, let's get into the Cardinals a little bit. The Tyler O'Neill thing is just, to me, it continues to be one of the weirdest like narratives, weirdest stories that we, we have seen because it, it blew up when it didn't have to blow up. What's your takeaway on just everything that's happened really in the last 48 hours? It's such a strange situation, right? I mean, you know, going back and looking at the play, you know, the one thing I think in sports, you can, it's really hard to judge someone's effort or their intent. So it's really hard for me to look at it and say, oh, Tyler O'Neill wasn't sprinting it out. You know, I know he was looking back in the outfield and seeing where the ball was and all that stuff. But I mean, at the end of the day, like, it's hard to judge it. But his manager can, and the people that, 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 you know, pay his, you know, his paycheck are the ones that can decide. And as we all know from that night, Ollie straight up told him it's unacceptable. And then, you know, he heard from Tyler and he's obviously not a big fan of the, of what Ollie said, but at the same time, I know you're in the locker room often. Tyler O'Neill didn't have to still be in the clubhouse, right? He could have been long gone. And I think some people may not realize that, but he was there and answered the questions head on, even answered the next morning head on. You know, a lot of those guys, by the time Ollie talks and we get in the clubhouse, they're long gone. Tyler was still there. He answered the questions. Uh, I don't know if people remember last year, he had a base running error last year where I want to say it was bottom of the ninth, one out, he was on first, and there was a fly ball. And he was halfway around second when it was caught. And then he realized it was one out, double play, game over. So it's not, you know, the first of his base running issues. But at the same time, I mean, I'm going to take Tyler's word for it and say he's doing the best he can. Um, I, I thought the weirdest, the weirdest part, the strangest part, was when Ollie, like, doubled down on it the next morning. Mm-hmm. I, I, I thought it was over with. You know, I assume, you know, they kind of, you know, they had their conversation after the game. It was heated. And then it was over with. So to see him... To see it still kind of continue into the next morning, I thought was almost the strangest part of the whole thing. What's 
I've been almost amused by the reaction. And I think a lot of times the reaction to this is more dictated by people's like preconceived notions of the two individuals. There's people out there who don't like Oliver Marmel and they're taking Tyler O'Neill's side. And there's people who don't right. like Tyler O'Neill and they're taking Oliver Marmel's side. And it's almost like what actually happened doesn't even factor into it. No, no, not at all. I mean, because there are some people that are mad that, you know, Tyler O'Neill really, you know, last postseason, you didn't have him, you know, but the postseason for that, or the season for that, he was a big part of the team. So I think a lot of people are frustrated with Tyler in that, you know, he wasn't there when they needed a bat last, the last postseason. Um, and some people are obviously going to fully support the manager, as you should. And it feels like an unnecessarily taken of size. I remember when I, after I did the highlights the other day, I literally, as soon as I finished the highlights and after we heard the sound from Ollie and Tyler Neal, I'm like, this is week two. This is game This is game five. And we're already having an airing of grievances and people are super upset. So it's just so, it's just so early to have these problems. I mean, they, I mean, they're two and four, but it, obviously it's, it's incredibly early in the season. So to have these kind of grievances so early, but I mean, for Tyler O'Neill, the thing that comes for him is, I mean, you have you have multiple guys that can play those positions in the outfield, right? Jordan Walker's not going anywhere. When Lars Newbar is healthy, he's going to be out there. Then you have Carlson and Burleson, so and Tyler O'Neill. So there's, I mean, you have so many guys that could play out there. So if, if for O'Neill, you can't. This can't be a problem. You can't let it linger. And I respect him in trying to basically kill it. You know, just you know, end all the conversation head on and say, hey, yeah, you know, I got to do better, or whatever. So. We'll see what happens. They eventually have to play baseball. And, you know, it seemed like after the game yesterday when uh, Ollie was talking about Tyler that it was kind of over with and yeah. under the bridge. But we'll see. Yeah, it, it probably lasted longer than it needed to, but I think you're right. It's it's kind of dying down and baseball again coming up tomorrow. Uh, we saw Jordan Walker hit his first career home run yesterday. He's got a hit in every game. It It's like this guy can't do anything wrong, whether he's talking to you, whether he's playing baseball, whether just the way he goes about everything he does. Uh, you could not have had a better start to a major league career in all areas than what we're seeing right now from Walker. Not at all. I mean, if you were in a lab and you wanted to create a baseball player, <laughs> Jordan Walker, I don't know if you'd make him 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six, but I mean, he, he's he's from head to toe, he's the perfect player. I mean, physically, he's a specimen, man. If for any fans that still haven't got to see him up close, I know we have. And I mean, he's just an absolute physical specimen, 6'5", 6'6", 230, 240, who knows. And also, he's smart, man. I mean, you know, he's, his dad went to MIT, his mom went to Harvard. So he also has the cerebral part of the game. I mean, I think he had scholarships offered from Duke so he's you know he's a smart guy as well and he's just good and even you know when we were talking to him after the game he was like you know he's starting to really see that it, I mean it's constant adjustments constant adjustments because every pitcher is going to know what you're good at and what you're bad at and they're going to attack that and that's what he said he's, he's really starting to figure out and also he said already his teammates are trying to calm him down and make sure he's ready to, to lock in for that as well I mean he's if you're a Cardinal fan like if you were going to pick a guy to be the feature of your club, you couldn't ask for anyone better than Jordan Walker. I don't know about you, but I love almost his wonderment while he's doing all this. The Cardinals posted a video of him uh, before opening day and just him taking it all in. And then after he hit the home run, he was so excited about being able to give his dad the home run ball. Like He's doing all these things all while like loving the game of baseball the way we all love the game of baseball when we're 12 years old. 
It's so cool, man. And even if you go back and look, when after he gets into the uh, dugout after the home run, Wayno has to tell him to go back out for the home. Like, hey, dude, they're they're cheering for you. Like, you gotta, you're supposed to go back out there. Uh, it's just so cool, man. And I mean, he's he's what twenty, so he's still so young. But to see somebody embrace it, um, you know, we always say at the end of the game, it's a it's a it's a kid's game, right? And to see someone with that kind of you know, be locked in mentally and take it seriously, but also just straight up enjoy it. It's it's fun to watch. You just get kind of caught up in it, you know, watching him out there. And he's and he's good. You know, that's that's a part of it too. It's it's just fun to watch. He is uh, Brian Kennedy. You see him on Channel Four KMOV. You follow him on Twitter at B Kennedy TV. Brian, thanks so much for the time. Uh, we'll see you when the Cardinals are back in town, and we'll get you back on the show here real soon. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, buddy. You bet. There's Brian Kennedy joining us here on the program. Appreciate him taking a, a few moments with us. Uh, but we got a phone call earlier. If anybody wants to uh, get in here on the, the just, I want to kind of end this Tyler O'Neill conversation, but it also, there's still also, like, on Twitter today, it just continued. It won't stop. So if you got to get something off your chest on the Tyler O'Neill situation, we'll open up the phones for you in the next segment, and then we're going to try to start to really put that conversation away for uh, the time being as the Cardinals are going to be back at tomorrow. But 314-436-7900, 314-436-7900. That's how you call. That's how you text. Or you can tweet at me, at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. We're uh, back to wrap up Hour 1 of the program in just a moment. It's the Great Bar Sports Open Line on KMOX. America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Back at it for a few more minutes to wrap up our number one. It's a Graybar Sports Open Line on KMOX. My name is Matt Pauley, 314-436-7900. That's how you call. That's how you text. You can tweet at me, at Matt Pauley on air. So I'm the type of person that, like, once a story is kind of played out, I'm ready to move on. But if you're on social media today... This Tyler O'Neill thing, it's not going away. There's still a lot of discussion being had about it, even though it feels like uh, O'Neill and Marmel and everybody else kind of tried to put it to bed yesterday. But people are still very interested in uh, this story and want to give their thoughts, like Jim, who has given us a call. Hey, Jim, you're on Sports Open Line. Hey, how you doing? Thanks doing for taking my call. You bet. Yeah, no, uh, no I'd like to comment uh, also on that. Uh yeah, I seen it the other night, and the first thing I thought was, was like, what is going on with Tyler O'Neill? Why is he not, you know, why is he not running hard around third base? And for him to get thrown out like he did, I mean, yeah, the guy's got a cannon out there in right field. But, you know, this is Tyler O'Neill. I think he's one of the fastest guys on the team. And to get thrown out like that, uh, I just uh, – I don't know, it just kind of got me. So I really wasn't surprised by everything, but uh, I was at the game Sunday, and uh, me and my son sitting there, and Tyler grounded out to, like, the shortstop, and he wasn't running, you know, and he he was, like, literally one step from, from beating it out, and we kind of looked at each other and was like, God, if he would have been running out of the gate, he would probably beat it out. But, you know, that's... I don't know. That uh, that kind of bothered me. How many guys do you think do run hard? Like, how many guys do you think sprint out of the box to first? Well, what percent? I mean, I, I would say a pretty good percentage of it. I would respectfully disagree with that, Jim. Yes, I, I would, know. and uh, I think if you watch a game and you watch 
Uh, I would say more than half the hitters out there, if there's a routine ground ball, they are not sprinting 100%. And in some ways, I don't want to see them sprinting 100% because you do risk injury in that spot. I think you should pick and choose your times where you do go all out. Well, I get get that, you know, but uh, when all this happened, when it came down, it was just, it kind of, I thought about uh, the conversation me and my son had on Sunday. And uh, so I, and I understand where he's coming from too, afraid of uh, pushing it and, you know, with hamstring issues, you know, but I don't know. I just, you know, wanted to make a comment because uh, we had sat there and talked about that Sunday when it transpired. And I was like, God, if he had been, if he would have been getting it down the line, I think he could have beat it up. Yeah, Jim, I appreciate the call. We're up against the top of the hour, so I got to let you go. There are times where if a guy's going 100% down the line, he's going to beat out a throw. You do that every time, you're probably going to get injured, and you just got to have some body maintenance in there, and that would be my point as well. Sports Open Line, more in a moment on KMOX. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.